Today on Stick to Football, live again from the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Matt Miller, Connor Rogers. You can watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to the Bleacher Report channel. There's a whole playlist. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Having a good week, man. It's been fun. We shut a bar down last night. I'm proud of us. Proud of you. Hanging it. Of course. Doing it up late last night. I had a good time. And... We do that not because we're alcoholics. We do that because that's wow. the time when you get to talk to scouts and agents and start to piece together the information of what happens here. And then this year, Connor, it also happens because that's when the workouts are. I was going to say. The workouts ended at 11 p.m. Eastern time Thursday night. Yeah, it was a little different this year. It's funny when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, well, I guess I won't eat dinner till 9. And the workouts are still going on at 9 o'clock. So it's been a different experience here in Indy. I think everyone's trying to figure out their own schedule because you really can't just sit in front of a TV in your hotel room or wherever it is from four to midnight so yeah that part's been different but like you said matt there's a lot of good stuff going on a lot of guys really showed out well in the wide receiver group on the first night of testing drills so that's been really exciting and of course we're hearing a lot of different things here around the uh the scouting combine like we always do absolutely let's start with the quarterbacks because that's what everyone cares about if you don't have one you're going to do whatever it takes to get one and we've spent a lot of time this week on free agents we're not going to spend any time on them on this show not at least early on well the, oh. yesterday's show if you if that's what you're into, you got 20 minutes of it. Exactly. So, so today we're going to talk, talk draft prospects. Jalen Hurts, a player who, so watching him as a freshman at Alabama, you were like, damn, this, this dude, is a, he's a, a leader, he's a gamer, he's a good athlete, and I thought he was limited as a passer. Goes to Oklahoma, and I can remember sitting with you guys early in the season saying, hey, he looks looser. He looks a little more comfortable, a little more natural throwing the ball. Because he always kind of had that stiff yeah. pause and, and that stiff motion. And then we see him at the Senior Bowl. It looks a little better. The Jalen Hurts I saw throw the football Thursday night was unrecognizable to me in a good way. He looks so much more just comfortable with his motion, and th- there's not that hitch. There's not the pause. There's not this awkward 90-degree angle works. There's so much pressure on his elbow. Uh, he, you can tell he's worked with Quincy Avery to really refine his mechanics, and I, I, I don't want to ever get in the habit of making excuses for players, but I think that you have to look at causation sometimes. Jalen Hurts at both Alabama and Oklahoma – they were doing whatever it took to win games. And Oklahoma, despite having CeeDee Lamb, that offense was not very good this year. Jalen Hurts was that offense. I think now we're seeing him have the time and the resources to develop as a quarterback. I'll be honest, I'm pretty damn excited about how he looked. Yeah, it's nice. I still think he's probably more in the day two range. I don't want to get Without crazy here. Not and, a first you know, Before yep. people jump to conclusions here. Yep. But I thought it was interesting. Daniel Jeremiah said on the broadcast, he said, I don't think he makes it out of the second round. That opened my eyes a little bit because I've had Jalen more in that third to fourth round range. And you bring up a good point about him having more time to work with Quincy, who worked with Deshaun Watson in the past. And I'm not saying Jalen is Deshaun Watson, but when you look at the play style, Jalen is kind of the poor man's Deshaun. The style he can play, he can get outside the pocket, make throws on the move, a very tough runner, a very tough player overall that does have a reputation as a guy that, you know, is a really good leader in the huddle. So I think you saw the difference. You make a great point, Matt, not only from Alabama, but then to Oklahoma working with Lincoln Riley, then the Senior Bowl. This was probably the biggest jump I've seen in just one month where in Mobile he was pretty good. The wind was whipping. The coaches had them throwing into the wind, and they would rotate them back and forth. But throwing into the wind, and it's not just him. All the quarterbacks really you know, seemed to struggle. The ball was dying a little bit. And here in a controlled environment, looked super smooth, just looked comfortable, yeah. and really looked excited to be here and get out and show that, listen, I'm not just this – projected backup quarterback or I'm not just a runner or whatever it is I'm a quarterback that wants the opportunity to earn a starting job in the league and I'll say this I was talking to a scout this morning and we were talking about Jalen Hurts and and that you know I was really impressed by him and what he what I said back to the scout was 
The only thing that worries me is this is seven on seven, and I, I, I just want to see him do it in a game. So I'm very intrigued by the positive growth that we've seen, but we need to see in a game atmosphere, and unfortunately we won't. Yeah, so I think, like you said, our good buddy, Daniel Jeremiah, I think he said it well. I was on Radio Chicago this morning. I hadn't heard that yet, and I was like, you guys pick a 43-50, you might want to think about this. Without a doubt, and you know, it's interesting when you look at scheme fits for Jalen because you don't want to run an offense where, you know, he's just a drop-back passer. And we're seeing more offenses in the NFL obviously open things up for guys like this. And it's not just the obvious obvious ones. It's not Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson, but we've seen Carson Wentz on the move. I thought the New York Giants did a really good job getting Daniel Jones on the move last year. And when you look at Jalen and Herbert, especially how Herbert moved as well, that's been a little underrated. These are guys that can not only move the pocket, they could extend plays, keep their eyes open downfield and looking downfield. And I think the value of that, especially in a quarterback class where we've heard it over and over again it's going to be joe burrow number one you're probably going to have Tua and herbert in the top five top seven kind of picks jordan love i mean i feel very safe saying he's going in the top 15 no matter what whether you agree with that or not jacob beeson's a bit of a wild card but the door is open after that for jalen hurts to be the guy because jake Fromm is kind of the guy we all that's thought actually he was where here. i want to go uh we'll, we'll get back to justin herbert but jake Fromm. Uh, I was pretty disappointed, honestly. Um, It it looked like I wasn't on the field, uh, but it looked like he was throwing as hard as he possibly could. Just was trying to show arm strength. Yes, but he was he was inaccurate because of that. Yeah, and so I think with Jake Fromm, like you really saw, he's the opposite of Jalen Hurts. Like he's never going to look good in drills. He's never going to like dominate a seven on seven. But it's the game stuff, especially if you go back 2017, 2018, where you like you're intrigued by his decision-making, his accuracy, but I worry so much about, I think, of the quarterbacks who have missed in the NFL, guys I've missed on, it seems like it's it's guys like that where they, there was regression. You know, instead of getting better throughout, there was a clear regression, and I feel that way with Jake Fromm. So I wanted to ask you, and, and I'll answer this as well. I'm not trying to scapegoat. But I go first. I'll go first. Okay. No, 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 ask me. Ask me. Would you have Jalen Hurts or Jake Fromm? I would take Jalen. And... It's tricky, actually. It's very tricky. Because if you asked me that a month ago, I would have said Fromm. And I try to sell myself on Fromm over and over again, and I can't do it. And I'll tell you one reason, Matt, why I've pivoted to Jalen. After watching Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson these last two months, a lot of that Georgia offensive line film, Fromm is a lot of the reason for some of the sacks for these guys where it's like, man, not only are you not helping your offensive line, you're actually hurting your offensive line. You're not an overwhelming physical talent in terms of arm strength. Yep. So what do you bring to – you're telling me that he's a brain? That's great that your quarterback's smart. You know how many guys have been drafted because they're smart and then did nothing in the NFL? And a lot of those guys are just coaching right now, which is okay. But the point is I want a quarterback. I want a playmaker. I think this goes back to something that you know Matt Bowen not only spoke about on this show but wrote a great piece on this week of how the league has changed and what you need from quarterbacks. Right. And I think while Jalen is not on the, you know, the upper echelon, the tier of, you know, Watson, Lamar, even a lot of people liked how Sam Darnold and Josh Allen moved, stuff like that. He still is in the category of a guy that can make plays for you while Fromm is so far from the, you know, he's the opposite of that. It's very frustrating to me. So if I'm betting on a day two quarterback to simply answer the question, I'd go with Jalen Hurts. I would too. I really, I assumed we would be in lockstep on this, but for all the reasons you said, and I, I know we've, I stole this saying from Bucky Brooks, and he was behind us earlier, so I hope he's okay with it. You need scorers, not shooters. And, yeah. and Jalen Hurts is a scorer. 
thousand yards rushing. He always has been. I mean, what, he has like fifty-two touchdowns this year, and I know that doesn't always translate, but Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray have translated pretty damn well out of that Lincoln Rally offense. So I am on the Jalen Hurts train. I'm just gonna, I just want to be transparent. I'm gonna say here he's gonna move up very far in my rankings when uh, there's a post combine, not just because of the on-field workout, not just because of the forty time, but having an opportunity to talk to scouts. Hey, what's he interviewing like? You know, because I've heard mixed things. Oh, yeah, same. And so having that opportunity to say, what what's your read on him? Yeah. What do you feel about him as a person? Everything I've heard back is incredibly positive from teams. The way they view him, that he might be a little prickly at times, but he's a leader. He's I said, I think he's a very intelligent, tough player. Lights a fire under your ass I think the question bit. is, you know, does he does he rub someone the wrong way because of how he carries himself? And we hear this about every prospect every year. So If, if it's not that, it's Justin Herbert, who I want to talk about next. And I was going like, to say, I want to transition. Oh, well... He doesn't push guys. He's not fiery. He's not loud enough. Justin Herbert, I said this on some radio I was doing this morning, that I'm so – like, he deserves so much credit for doing the work. We always talk about what guys need to work on on the field. Justin Herbert, it was, man, you need to do some work off the field. Not that yeah. you're a bad person. You don't have a rap sheet, but just being a better leader, being vocal. And to take that that critique and to work his ass off to get better at it, Justin Herbert nailed the senior – so nailed the Rose Bowl. Nailed the Senior Bowl, nailed the Combine. His workout was flawless. And I know, I know our listeners are going to yell at us and say, he's throwing in jorts, like you and Melo always say, to air. That's where he shines. But you can still judge. They're all doing the same thing, the quarterbacks are. You can still judge those quarterbacks in that moment, you in that to. drill. No one was better than Justin Herbert Thursday night. I do. I completely agree. Number one, the way he ran at his size. He just moves very well. He throws very well. He's got a cannon of an arm. I agree with you on all three of those points, from the Rose Bowl to the Senior Bowl to the Combine. And that, Matt, is why I think a team will get fooled and make a mistake in taking Justin Herbert in the top five. I, I really do. I think when you look at it, all the problems are on the game film, and that is accuracy issues, that is playing under pressure, that is slow, moving to your second trigger. and third. Re- yep. Exactly. It's the processing. Maybe that's something where we've seen in Sean McVay's system, it's a lot of one reads. There are coaches in the league that can get you really on your first read and let you thrive, especially if you're an athletic player when the one read isn't there and it breaks down. You're not just standing in the pocket looking, processing your second and third reads. You're right. moving and extending the plays. But I'll still say this, and I know Melo has agreed with me, and I know you're you're pretty closer to us than on the other side of it. I'm not buying a top five pick investment in Justin Herbert as a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy. I have him ranked at twenty overall. Yeah. Um, I, I he'll be round two for me. I really am intrigued by the traits and by the growth. I think with quarterbacks, that's the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the growth. And we've talked about it like with Mekhi Becton, the growth, you know, what, what he's being able to do working with Duke Mannyweather. You know, for Jalen Hurts, it's what he's able to do working with a Quincy Avery. It's what, you know, Joe Burrow is able to do working with a Jordan Palmer. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head who Justin Herbert's working with, but that growth to where you're hoping that in college where you were limited in hours and you're just you're running an offense to win ballgames, hopefully from December to June when you go to rookie camp, you're really working your tail off to get better at these things. So I'm... I believe Justin Herbert will be a top six pick. Um, I, don't, I will not have him ranked that highly. I just want to say that. One thing I did want to point out, um, our good friends, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, I don't say that ironically. I, I love them both. I don't know either of them. They're, no, they're, they're, <laughs> honestly, they're two great, great guys. Um, the last time I saw Todd, we didn't even talk football. Like He just asked, like, how are your kids doing? You know, like, we, yeah. it just, it's just I really good, like Todd's work. Just a I know good, he grinds. good guy. They have a bet. A $5,000 bet for charity. I would say it's going to charity, Which I right? respect. That's awesome. Todd says Jordan Love will be the third quarterback drafted. 
Mel says it will be Justin Herbert. It's a great bet because it's even. It is. I feel like it's a push. I have them ranked at 20 and 21 overall on my board right now. I'll tell you right now why it's the perfect bet. Because it just depends on what team has the stones to trade up for one of them. Right. That's all it comes down to. It's not like, hey, uh, well, we know you know, the Panthers really like Justin Herbert. So when he's there, he's going before Jordan Love. Like, that's not it at all. And I'm not saying the Panthers do like him. I'm just using an example. I think when you look at this bet, Matt, it is great because of the how unpredictable it is. Now, I do think it's a little risky because I think the Dolphins sitting there at five are a hot spot for Herbert. But I'll say this. And the Chargers at six are. So. And the Colts have ammo. Yep. There are teams that love Jordan Love. They got the love bug. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, when you look at it, it's a great bet. And maybe we'll have to not steal that bet, but come up with some of our own, as we always do for the draft. Yeah. I, I don't know that we're throwing out five grand to charity. Uh, I won't be. Yeah. To my <laughs> not, charity. Not right? we do it to, can we do it to my, your own foundation? How does that work? I I, we'll figure it out. Yeah. If the Stickies want to get it on it, let us know. Uh, tweet us at Stick to Football. Let's take a break. When we come back. We're going to break down some of these wide receiver and tight end workouts that we saw on Thursday afternoon. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Stick to Football. Don't forget, we have an event. Uh, if you're listening to this Friday afternoon, we have an event tomorrow. If you're listening to this Saturday morning, uh, hurry because you're going to miss it. At 2 o'clock, Tooting Brewing Company, our guy Joey Molinaro coming by. The best impersonations on Twitter, but also just funny skits on Twitter. Don't want to miss those. Follow him. They are hilarious. He's going to join us from 2 to, from two to 4. It's free to the public, 21 and over because this is a brewery. It's going to be a great time. We do our show, uh, answer questions, just hang out and, and drink some beer. But we did want to break down Thursday night. The quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends started working out. And there were some notable times oh, here. Yeah. Some surprising times, honestly. And I think, Connor, we have to start with Chase Claypool. We have to because this is a player that you know came out of the season at Notre Dame. And a lot of people looked at him and said, hey, he's a really good special teams guy and a big body target and when you look at those players i remember mac collins was like this a couple years ago where you're like hey i could develop him to be a red zone target you know maybe when we go four wide or empty and i know he could be a really good special teams player and then clay pill goes to the senior bowl he's gigantic he's like 227 pounds and he did he had a really nice week honestly he was catching the ball over defensive backs uh he was very aggressive and physical at the catch point and i think he really shined in the red zone drills and you know then you get into the combine and he steps on the scale and he weighs 238 pounds and you're like okay now he's bigger than evan ingram was here yeah so number one how is that going to affect how he tests athletically and number two are we talking about chase claypool as a receiver anymore because if he runs slow you can use the excuse well he's he's the size of a move tight end if he runs fast and he did now you're talking about a complete mismatch player four four two and jumped 42 inches so phenomenal i did not expect that time for him if you told me four four nine i would have said that's a great Great time for him. When my man went four four two, and I'm the guy who reported Monday the teams were talking about moving him to tight end, and he has been asked to do tight end drills. Four four two, it's it is it's Evan Ingram. And Once again, I I still would move him to tight end, and I'd make him a mismatch big. Slot. I wouldn't even give him a position. I yes, would just true, say true. play slot, play big tight, like wherever you line this guy up. But I think yeah. what he showed now is we've talked a lot personally and privately. I don't know how much it's made the show about how wish this class had like a bigger guy. You know, it might now. Chase Claypool might be that bigger guy. I had him in round three. Felt really, really good about that. I now would not be surprised if he goes round two with the workout he had here. Also, you know, we talked to Brian Kelly about him. High character guy, incredibly smart. You mentioned he's a a demon on special teams. happy to do it. Loves to do it. You you don't find many wide receivers like that. So a great, great workout for Chase. (laughs) Because it's a tight end. Man, I'll tell you, uh, my team, the Niners, they don't need him. 
and they don't have the picks to get him, unfortunately. But, God, he would be amazing. He's the premium version of Jalen Hurd, a guy who took last year. Yes, without a doubt. So, I, listen, I'm very excited about this because you look at Chase. A lot of people are saying, well, why was he you know, buried on their roster for a couple of years? And, you know, why was he not as productive? And they've gone through, Matt, you know this. They've gone through some change at quarterback, some inconsistency at quarterback. Right. I think he's someone that in today's NFL offense, I remember when I was watching All or Nothing, and they have Sean McVay at the Combine, and he's watching Gerald Everett run. And he's sitting there, and he's going, man, that's my, my big-bodied mismatch player that's not really a tight end because he's not an in-line guy, but he's right. not really a wide receiver, but he moves really well up the seam. I look at Chase Claypool, and I go, man, a good offensive coach at the next level is going to look at him and be like, man, his floor is I get a great special teams player, and his ceiling is I get this seam mismatch target that can work in the red zone as well. I don't know if anyone's done themselves, a couple guys maybe, but I don't know if anyone's done themselves as much favors here as Chase Claypool, especially when a bigger body target in the wide receiver class like T. Higgins is like, you know what, I'm going to rest. Yeah, that was, that was a little weird. It's just a weird answer. And I think for Chase Claypool, I mean, let's look at teams that fit this guy. 47, the Atlanta Falcons could lose Austin Hooper in free agency. Yep. The Dallas Cowboys at 51 overall. They've been sniffing around tight ends. The Chicago Bears at 50. They are desperate for that big body mismatch player that, you know, Adam Shaheen did not work out. Trey Burton didn't work out. They yeah, brought in been hurt. Demetrius Harris. They need someone who fits that role. So I think there are plenty of teams in that right around pick 50 that make a lot of sense for Chase Claypool. Seattle at 59 wouldn't shock me either. I know that they just got Greg Olson. They'll get Will Disley back from it's injury. It's a one year deal. Yeah. You know, but you put him with DK and Tyler Lockett. Come on. Like that's that's very very hard to defend. And Seattle does have a sneaky two second round picks. Exactly, there. they are they are picking 59th and 64th. Something you mentioned yesterday on the show is the Packers have been doing a ton of work on the tight end class. Now you have to wonder, can you group Chase Claypool into that? Where you look at Green Bay picking, you know, 62nd in this draft in, yeah. in the second round, it's a good fit there. It really is. So, I mean, once again, talk about just doing yourself, so going through the process and owning it. Because for whatever reason, he was not a bad player in Notre Dame. He was a good player. Right. Just didn't get the shine a lot of these skilled players have gotten. And now he comes in here and goes, I'm the best athlete considering his size. It's unreal. I, mean, I, I saw a graphic basically where him and Calvin Johnson are the only two guys to test like that at that size. Yeah, to jump that well and yes. run that fast at that size is phenomenal. Now, Henry Ruggs, we expected him to be the fastest player here. There's a lot of hype that he might break the John Ross record of 4-2-2. He did not. Coming in at four two seven, and Connor, I've never seen people disappointed for four two seven before. It's so honestly, it's ridiculous. Four two seven, he is almost a tenth of a second faster than the next fastest wide receiver who ran here. It's, it's insane how fast he is. And I think also, Matt, he's not like tiny. This is what I want to you know say about right. it. Is he a big wide receiver? No, but he's also not really really small. Like we've you know kind of seen you know Rager's a smaller guy. He put on a lot of weight, right. which cost him in the forty. We'll get to that later. But you know Hamler's a guy that is smaller. So when you look at it for Rugs, he's flying on the field. And another thing here is, it seems like a lot of the. <laughs> Slow start. It's crazy to say a guy runs four yeah. two seven. I really think it was his start because once he gets going, it's it's lightning. It really is. You see it on the slant routes. You see it on the screens. I bet his ten to twenty split is, is ridiculous. Is I agree. Zero to ten. I don't think was great. I bet ten to twenty is going to be special, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's just once again. I know we're not disappointed. I'm actually no. really, really happy he lived up to the real hype because the, the betting lines on most uh, Vegas lines was like four two nine five over yeah. under and i told people and I, I know we all did on the show it's like no you smash the under because he's getting hype for the record 
which was, you know, always a long shot. But that goes to show you just how fast he is. That he was, He's always been a 4-2 kind of guy. Yeah, he ran 4-2-5 last year, hand-timed. Uh, Jim Nagy, our friend who's executive director start. of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and he just so, doesn't have a good start. And I, I will say this. Uh, the clock that you see on NFL Network is not official. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about our friends over there. It's not very good. The hand no. times, there were hand times on rugs that were coming in. Quite a bit lower than four two seven. I saw four two four. So. Yep, and I guarantee he runs again at the Alabama Pro Day. Oh, the, yeah. I mean, when you have that kind of speed, show it off. Yeah, I, right. and you I have think, nothing to hide. I think Judy will get into the four threes at the Alabama Pro four, Day. Four four three, I believe Judy went. Yeah, which once people are disappointed once again. I'm good with that. Judy's very fast in the field. More importantly, has the lateral quickness to yep. go. I think we've kind of lost sight of how fast four five speed is. So I agree. now we're in the four threes is fast, four fours is average, four fives and above is slow, and that's just not the case. Go time yourself today if you're listening to this. <laughs> Don't do that. You'll, be, you'll hate yourself. Right. It, because it's it's incredibly fast. And one more note on, on rugs. To show the explosion, this guy has a vert of 40 and a half inches. And I know Donovan Peoples-Jones with 44 and a half. That's insane. Henry Ruggs going 40 and a half is very, very good. It's excellent. And, and there it, was like the video of him dunking. And oh, you I could mean, tell. like. He's just rare. Yep. That's what it comes down to. He's a, he's a rare kind of player. And another guy that, that wanted to get into that group, and, I mean, I didn't see this coming. I'll just be completely honest here. Denzel Mims lights up the board with a 43840, 38.5 vertical, and then this is the one, Matt, that you said to me before the show, and I had to do a double take because I didn't realize it was this good. 666 six, six, three cones. It's evil. That's how good the three It's cones. so evil. But I just don't see that kind of movement on film for so him. So my notes on him, I just pulled him up. I loved his long speed. Yes. And he's he's got he looks fast, but he doesn't look shifty. He doesn't look explosive. But his vert and his three cone would tell you that he's, he ha- he's agile and he does have burst. I still question his play strength. I think he's a little soft. And so if you want to compare him, he's in a tier with Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is much, much stronger. Michael Pittman from USC, much, much stronger. So I think with Mims, that is the question where you see a guy have a great workout like this, but what is it, how does it translate? I do think he had a good senior bowl as well. So he is, for me, Denzel Mims would be a stock-up guy. Exactly. The general feel I got from talking to people in the league is that both Claypool and Mims were in that three to four range, and the combine locked him into at least the end of round two kind of yep. range, which is, that's a colossal jump when you look at the salary numbers those guys get on the rookie wage scale. Yeah, so and I, I think we talked about this. Uh, sorry, it's been a long week. I can't remember if it was a show I did by myself or with you that there was a cluster of wide receivers and we were waiting for guys to break out. And this is how you do it. You break out by having testing times like this. So where I might have had you stacked with Rager and, you know, uh, Colin John or Devin DuVernay, guys like that. This is how you come out of that and, and beat the stack, basically, and be that top guy in the third tier. Uh, a couple more wide receivers we want to get to. Justin Jefferson uh, running four four three. That shocked me. That was I, was a, I thought he was four five two, four five four. I know we talked about like Claypool's time was great for Justin Jefferson. I think this cements him as a top twenty pick. I think so too. At a minimum, he's not making it past the teams in round one that do need wide receiver. I think if you're someone like the Bills now, maybe you're looking to trade up for Justin Jefferson. Yep. I think Green Bay would be a really nice fit. So those teams Philly now twenty one, Buffalo at twenty two, yeah. I mean New I remember, Orleans at twenty four. A lot of people that listen to this show, and I don't blame you. You know they they reach out to us and they have their fingers crossed that their teams in round two would get Justin Jefferson. No sir, those days have left us folks. Justin Jefferson is locked into round one. And like you said, Matt, I think the biggest question for me is, is he now above T. Higgins? I think so. 
probably f- until Pro Day, everyone will put him. And T needs to run well to Clemson Pro Day. And what I would have told T Higgins if he, he or his people reached out to me was, now you have one crack of the 40. And if you do poorly, you don't get a chance to make it up. Because if you don't run well here, you still have your Pro Day to fix it. If you don't work out at the Combine, you say, I'll, I'll run at Clemson. It's fine. I'll do it there. Better have the best day of your life working and, out there. And if you don't run at all, you're hiding something from people. That's the big one, especially when the excuse here was rest. I mean, I can't be a hypocrite because we said on this show, we understand why people are not are timid to test here with the new schedule. Yeah. But once again, just say you pulled a hammy. Right. Yeah. Just, uh, you know what? I, it I makes my us wrist, all feel better. Bang my wrist up in practice or something. Yeah. And I know they had a long season. Uh, and he's probably still a little beat up from that. But, yeah, get out here and run. Tight ends, uh, not a deep class. And most of the tight ends actually did not work out. So I want to applaud the guys who did because it seemed like no tight end did a full workout here. But let's start with Albert O. Four four nine. It was one of the first 40s that came off because the tight ends ran first to where – you were like, what? <laughs> like, and, and what's, I was, so I was sitting in a, in a, a pub having a meeting, and a there were pub. two TVs, and it, Look what at happened you, to dude. me? And there once were two, tr- goes to London right, once. For a week. And uh, yeah, comes back Peppa Pig. That's probably what it is, actually. And there were two TVs, one NFL Network, one ESPN. NFL Network had him at 449, ESPN had him at 459. So I'm like, which, Big which difference. is it? It's a huge difference. It was 449. Alberto, we've talked about him a lot. I think he was most of our tight end one or two headed into the season. Got her production dipped as the Mizzou offense struggled. He is intriguing as hell, but man, he's hurt a lot. That's the biggest thing. I, you know, when you look at it, the numbers are great. To go 449 at 6'5", 258 pounds is Hard phenomenal. I don't think the offense did him a lot of favors at Mizzou. I will get out in front of that, but I do think you make a point, Matt. The injuries are going to be the question with him. I didn't think he was this freakish, though. I'll say that. He was in round one of all of our summer mock drafts as the tight end of this class. I mean, those were the days where we didn't think Cole Komet was declaring, and then it seemed like kind of just a wild west of a group. So it was always Albert O and then everyone else. Doesn't have a really good season. Has seemed to be in the round four and five conversation lately. So now you have this, this gamble of, you know, how do we value a great athlete with great size that is hurt a lot. It probably meets in the middle. I think Albert O is probably going to be a third round kind of player. I agree. I think third round. And I, I will say he's not on our list. My guy Bryson Hopkins it went pretty well too. He ran a four six six, uh, twenty one bench reps. Vert was thirty three and a half, four two eight short shuttle. So I, I really thought that Bryson Hopkins had a good day as well. But uh, a guy who has continually been on the rise, Connor, is Adam Trotman, who uh, went six seven eight in his three cone. That is a, a very good time. And we talk about Denzel Mims, his six 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 was the best of the receivers. For Trotman to go six seven eight, that shows for me with a tight end, when I'm looking at your three cone time, I'm seeing short area burst, body control, balance, even like ankle strength goes into it. So I think Trotman is my number two tight end in this class. This He had a good work. And that was big for him, that phenomenal three-cone at that size, because the the 4.840 was not very good. The tight ends did not run well at all. I mean, we even have Hunter Bryant listed on here at a 4.74. Now, with Hunter, I think he plays a lot faster than that on film. He gained too much weight. He wanted to come in and, and be something he's not, and that's a... I don't, I don't like to use the term real tight end because that just really means an inline kind of t- tight end. But Hunter Bryant's a weapon. He's a mismatch, yep. move kind of guy. He clearly put on too much weight. I think he's closer to a 4-6 kind of 40 guy on tape. But that 4-7-4 is disappointing for him. And when you look it, at the tight yep. end list, it's across the board. It is disappointing because I think a lot of – I've seen a lot of folks on Twitter when I talk about Cole Komet, they'll say, well, Cole Komet, Notre Dame, he's not an athlete. He tested as a better athlete than yep. Hunter Bryant, who we've compared to – 
Evan Ingram and Irv Smith Jr. So a little bit of a concern there when you look at the tight end class that this, this might not be a great group. It really might not. I mean, I think we all agree Cole Komet is going to be the first one off the board. But after that, it's anyone's guess, whether it's Hunter Bryant, Adam Trotman, now Albert O, definitely put him, himself in that conversation. Let's take a break. When we come back. We have your draft on draft questions loaded up. A special combine. Stick to football. We are back live on Radio Row at the 2020 Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. We are full of steak. We've had some beers. Not today. Not yet. No, no. It's coming. It's coming soon. It's it's happening, though. And we want to answer your draft on draft questions. Let's go here with our guy, Wyatt. Do you guys ever go back and watch college tape of first-round players from previous drafts who busted and try to find where they were flawed. Wyatt, welcome to my summer, buddy. This is yeah, this is a big part of it. And not just guys who busted, but guys who exceeded my expectations. I've I've watched I've gone back and watched Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech a couple times, being like, What what did I miss? And it's crazy because he's the same. Yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. same. It's just it's like why situation. didn't we carry over? Situation matters so much. And really no one had come out of, you know, the quote unquote air raid offense and had success. So in a lot of ways he's an outlier. And I think honestly, more often than not, that's what I find. I've told the story a billion times about how here I spent a whole week with Russell Wilson, that draft. And uh, and even had conversations with like, man, we are the same height. Like, you know, and he cuz he'd be like, why aren't you higher on me? It was like if you were 6'2, you'd be my number 2 quarterback in this yep. class. Uh, behind Andrew Luck, I, and I swear to God, I said this to his face, and he would be like, I played behind the fifth tallest offensive line in all football, college football and NFL combined. I had no passes bad say, rarely turn the ball over either. And so it's guys who are outliers. So you look like, why did I miss on Russell Wilson? I actually had him in the third round, which is where he was drafted. We all missed on him because he's an outlier. He's five foot eleven, and he's still having success. So that is one thing that, not to make an excuse, sometimes we miss because – you buy into what you're told too much, you know, or you buy into a medical too much. Or sometimes I've written reports on guys and then gone back and read it a year later and be like, what? Like, why did I say that? Yeah. So it's just, it's an inexact science. It is. And, and another thing I like to do to add on to this question is you're watching college players from, like you said, Matt, summer all the way, you know, right to the senior bowl. And then you start to get into a little bit of free agency talk. I like to take a little break and watch the top free agents. And that makes you, and this is how I was taught to do it, makes you kind of go, oh, that's how the best guys succeed. So when you look at, been watching not just Chase Young, because we've watched enough of him, but Caleb on Chase Young, Hitor Gross Matos, AJ Epinesa, Bradley and I, Kenny Willekes, all of those guys on the edge. Then you take a little break and you watch Yannick Ngakwe for a little bit and you go, oh, you know, or Jadavion Clowney, and you go, that's how the best players get it done. This is what translates to the game. And now I'm going to look back at these prospects and see, you know, are you expecting the next Yannick Ngakwe or Jadavion Clowney? No, but it does help you with certain traits to spot them. And this goes across the board for every single position. So I think this little free agency period we have, you know, I usually use the last two or three weeks in February. This year it starts a little later, so I started a little later, but into the beginning of March, that helps me a lot personally. Yeah, and I think I will say one more thing. You have to caution yourself not to overcompensate. You know, if you miss on a Mahomes or Russell Wilson, you can't then start just every air raid quarterback is going to be a good one. No. You know, you, you have to be smart, and we say it a billion times as well, put every player in a bubble, evaluate them as, as a player. Michael Christopher asked, why are you guys so high on Caleb on Chase on with his production the way it is and lower on Mackay Becton when both players seem to have the same potential and ceilings in the NFL? Chase on played with an elite secondary and linebackers. What's the difference since both play premier positions? So, I mean, this is a good question. It really is. Yeah, I, I like that you're, you're calling us out a little bit on this one even. So for me personally, 
I have seen enough with Chase on. You're right, the production's low, but I've seen impact. And so even like I think I said two weeks ago, someone asked, who are you guys watching? And I said, I'm watching LSU again. I'm trying to get through Chase on. And I was actually charting the plays that he didn't rush the passer, and I was watching him stop the run. I was watching him watching him play in coverage. So for me with Chase on, I feel even at like his floor, I know he's going to be a good NFL player. Like At his worst, he's Leonard Floyd. That's a good NFL player. He's a starter. I'm okay with that. I feel like Mekhi Becton's worst is not a starting-level yep. tackle. So that's why the difference is for me. And I think Becton's potential is through the freaking roof. But if you don't reach that potential, can you get on the field? And so with Chase on, I know you can. With Becton, I don't, I don't know if he can if he doesn't reach it. And how far apart do you have them? Because I have Chase on 16th and Becton 26th. I have them. So that's 10 spots. Question. It is a big difference in the first round. I so have that's a fair question. 9 and uh, 22. Oh, so you're almost the same as me. Yeah, so about the same gap. Uh, yeah, so when I look at Chase on, once again, it's traits uh, that I value more. I think with Becton, this is a really interesting conversation. And this, I don't want to make this the Let's Kill Makai Becton show again. Because I feel like we've been doing that when we still like the player. I like him a lot. Still yeah. have him in round one. But an interesting combo I had with the pro football focus guys this week was when you tie it down to how many real pass sets did he take and how did he perform in those real pass sets, he doesn't grade out as a, a great tackle in college. And he's going to be taking real pass sets at the next level in the NFL. So it, it's one of those things. He's kind of the ball and clay player, a ball of clay player where you look at it, great size. He's nasty. Uh, you know, he seems like a tough guy. I liked hearing yeah. him speak this week. Really good feet for his size. But once again, how is he going to handle counter moves at the next level? How is he going to handle, you know, pass protection on a very consistent basis? Right. That's what people are trying to figure out with Becton, where with Chase on, he said it himself, I speak three languages. He can do a lot of different things it. for you, and I think he could do those things if he was on an NFL field today. Yeah, I agree. I, my comp for him is Josh Allen. Not I like the quarterback. That. The, they the both were asked to cover a lot. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Logan B. Shore's got two questions for us. Let's jump right in. With Dave Gettleman now opening to trade out of number four overall, who are some potential trade partners? I will believe that when I see it, first and foremost. I think Dave's just, he's taking some shit for not trading, and now he's like, yeah, I'm open to trade. So I think the, the logical trade partners, uh, the Miami Dolphins, obviously at number five, if they want to come up and secure their quarterback, the Chargers at six. The Raiders have two first-round picks. The Colts have a plethora of picks uh, throughout this draft class. They have the capital to move up. Uh, and then I think you have to like consider, like, would the Patriots? Maybe. There's, yeah, like, there's a, a relationship there. One. Yeah, to where you're mortgaging the future to get, if Tua falls some, you know, like, yep. hey, let's go, get, let's go get our guy. Unless they just signed Tom Brady, which is still ridiculous and blows right. my mind, the, the Giants. Um, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, listen, this is a good question because I have this in my notes. Dave Gettleman has made 44 total select, selections in the NFL draft as a GM. Carolina and the Giants never moved out of a single one. Yeah, he just doesn't which do is, it. Which is very, very rare. Now, I do think this is an important question because you'd have to be insane to not listen this year. And I think the quiet thing with the Giants is even if Tua goes before them, I do think somebody will come up for Justin Herbert for the right price at four. The question is, how far do the Giants want to move back? What do the Giants value? I'm curious to see if it's Jedrick Wills, Isaiah Simmons. You know, are they hoping someone like Jeff Akuda falls to them? Uh, I, I think that the dream of Chase Young falling to them is not happening, although crazier things have. Yeah. So once again, it, it just depends what Gettleman values because he is a guy that has a reputation, and I think he says it himself. Around the league of falling in love with players and not moving off his spot in fear of losing them. Right. 
Yeah, and I respect. Hey, your job. I on do. The res- line. I do respect that yeah. mindset where you're like, well, I think I'm getting a great player here, so I'm not going to risk moving back and not getting one. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Uh, second question from our guy Logan: Who are some of the under the radar names we could see franchise tagged? Taysom Hill comes to mind, but not sure how that works with him being a restricted free agent. So you can't franchise tag a restricted free agent. I mean, they, by nature. They're already kind of tagged yeah, because they're at a lower they're, price. Yep, they're restricted. So I think like under the radar, Shaq Barrett uh, with the Tampa Buccaneers, Bud Dupree with the Steelers, kind of under the radar. Uh, Matthew Judon for the Ravens, I think, could be a sign and trade kind of guy, uh, and then maybe Brandon Scherf would be again under the radar. I, I, we all know Chris Jones is going to be tagged. Justin Simmons Justin is going to be tagged. Going to be tagged. Dak yeah. is probably going to be tagged. So. Yeah, there's not a lot. I think one that would surprise people, and it's it goes back to you know our friend Dave Gettleman here, and I don't think he should, and I don't think he would, but maybe Leonard Williams if they can't get an extension done. I mean, they did just trade third and fifth round <sighs> that picks would be for him, amazing. and they they I think he's been open that he wants to extend him. Now the problem is the franchise tag number, especially at defensive end, which Leonard Williams is not. Most of his snaps came at defensive tackle, I believe the price is very different. So if you're tagging him as a defensive tackle, just to extend yourself time to get an extension done, maybe the Giants do that one, although I would not advise them to. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I, I think if you man, if you make that move, there's going to be a lot of hate uh, around the league on Twitter. He just uh, didn't do enough for the Giants last year where I think it warrants that kind of payday. I agree. Absolutely agree. I was going to close the show there, but I want to talk about one thing, Connor. As we're sitting here recording, Mike Silver, NFL Network, uh, had a spot, and he said that he's hearing legitimate buzz that the Washington Redskins could draft Tua Tungavailoa at number two overall if the medicals check out. And we'll kind of wait and see where that goes. Right now, the medicals look good. Tua said he's going to be cleared March 9th. He's going to have a pro day April 9th. Uh, those are going to be landmark dates for him. I mean, I will time. say this. I, I, so I want to ask you, Tua versus Dwayne Haskins. I would have, like, two is in a different stratosphere than Dwayne Haskins as a prospect. Yeah, it's not very close. It's like they don't play the same position. They're they're so different. I mean, I liked Dwayne Haskins, but Tua is a healthy Tua. Is honestly, if Tua is healthy, he will be my number four player in in this class. Yeah, I mean, I have Tua right now as number five in this class, and Haskins for me finished at 18th last year. And Matt, you know this. When it comes to quarterbacks, that's a massive difference. A player that is on the fringe of the top 20 versus a player entrenched in the top five. Yeah. And if Tua is healthy, that five spot probably goes to four or three. And regardless of what you think of Dwayne Haskins, Tua is that much better. And if you can upgrade yes. a quarterback, you have to do it. And then you would probably trade Dwayne Haskins. Now, Doug Gottlieb tweeted on Thursday that he had heard from former Redskins staffers that Dwayne Haskins basically couldn't call play in the huddle to the point that they thought he might be dyslexic. Which is super disrespectful. But Yeah, that I yeah, I don't like throwing that term around because yeah, it it is disrespectful. But like to your point, I had Dwayne Haskins at nineteen overall. Uh, he was actually the player for me where my board broke from first to second round last yep. year. So it was the same for me. Tua, oh my god, I would have no disrespect to Dwayne Haskins. I think the trade market would actually be pretty good for him. I think so, too. If Ron Rivera and Kyle Smith are not Dwayne Haskins fans, or even if they are but like Tua better, they have my full support. And, and let's get something clear here. Ron Rivera has full control over yes. there. And I think Kyle Smith did a really good job this week speaking to the structure of the Redskins. But Dan Snyder has said in some kind of words that this is a coach-controlled organization now. And that's how they went out and got Ron Rivera before he interviewed anywhere else. 
it was his team, right. his you know his uh, his hands on every single roster move they kind of make. Working with Kyle Smith, let's not forget Ron was the Chargers defensive coordinator before he took a head coaching job under Kyle's dad, A.J. Smith, right. the general manager of the Chargers. So there's a lot of family connections there where these two are working hand-in-hand, and they did not work hand-in-hand draft Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Mike Silver, when he he doesn't shoot and miss very often. Uh, He's plugged into the coaching world, too. Very much so. It's a coach-controlled team. Absolutely. All right, that is our show. We will be coming to you live from Tootie Brewing Company Saturday afternoon. That will be your Monday morning show. Then Connor and I will be back in studio Wednesday morning. You get the trio Friday morning. We'll be back to normal-ish lives next week. Thanks for hanging out with us all week here at the Indiana Convention Center. It's been a great time. For Connor Smith, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Mm-hmm.